From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 236, and today I'm joined by Mark Weingust. Mark is the editor-in-chief of Layered Butter magazine, one of my new favorite nerdy film print magazines. It's just full of great interviews and articles and artwork. Seriously, go to their website and dare yourself not to buy one of their gorgeous magazines. They're perfect coffee table books. Anyway, we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch... Oh, your timing was way off. What are we we watching? Christmas Vacation. Okay. Christmas Vacation. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, And I'm sitting down here with my kids. Uh, We have watched this film so many times. times. Too many times. Too many. But our virgin tonight is... Mark Wongest. I have not seen this movie. My kids asked earlier, it's like, how could Mark not have seen this movie? And I said, because Jewish. Yes, because (laughs) Jewish. Do Jews really watch Christmas movies? I mean, yes. But this specific movie? Yes. I just haven't. So why do you think... Because you're... You like comedy? Yo, no, I love comedy. If anything, um, like, my family can totally relate to uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Mostly on a cringe level, an adventurous level, a stuff-goes-wrong-entirely level. It's just Christmas Vacation I just have not gone around to. There, there are other Christmas classics, you know, your Die Hards, your Gremlins. I have seen those. Yeah. This one just always eludes me. And do you know why that is? It's just, or it, it, was it never that interesting to you? It, it, it just never intrigued me. I never got around to it. That, that was really why. It, I have an inkling. I know some of the jokes that go on, but I have no idea beat-wise or just what happens throughout the entire thing. <laughs> yeah. Even very excited. So... So you two, without spoiling anything specific for Mark, how many times have you seen this film? Like, it could be the film you've watched the most. Yeah. Probably. Around the holidays or just in general? In, well, in general, in because general. Chris, holiday movies are the ones you tend to re-watch the most over and over again. Like, when I look at, at Letterboxd, that website, probably the movies that are in my most watched are holiday movies because you just kind of tend to watch the same movies over and over again on the holidays. So this is like an ultimate comfort movie for you. For sure. I mean, they love... It's not one of my go-to Christmas movies. I do... It is because of them. Like, my go-tos are Muppets Christmas Carol, Scrooged. Um, those two, for sure, I have to watch every You're going to hate me because I haven't seen both of those. <laughs> I've already done them on the podcast. I know you have. I just haven't gone around to watching them. They're both great. Anyway, so, Annie, we'll start with you. What is? What do you love about this movie, without getting too specific? It's just really funny. Yeah, you like the characters? Mm-hmm. It makes you laugh? Yeah. Yeah, it makes you guys belly laugh. <laughs> oh, those are the best. And Ephraim? How about you? 
Um, well, there is, um, a lot Do of, it. it's like, it's just a lot of stuff. So, I, I, so many jokes. You okay? Yeah. Mark's worried about the microphone. It was acting <laughs> up earlier. Um, yeah, it's hard to get into specifics. I'll tell you what, because you guys aren't going to join us for the bulk when we come back for the podcast, but I'll let you start off with this and you can explain what your favorite pieces are before we end Mark's review. Oh. How's that? Is that fair? Deal. Do I plug my ears? No, when we come back. <laughs> when we come back. When we come back. Well, after we watch it, yes. the kids can express their, their highlights. Because so, it is hard to get into what you love about this movie without talking about specific moments. Got it. Uh, so what, what do you know about this movie? Uh, what I do know is that it's a giant family gathering. Um, giant family gathering, something with the Christmas lights. And I know, I know what the Christmas bonus is at the end. Like, I know that specific part. Okay. But everything leading up to it, absolutely nothing. Oh, you're in great position. That's not bad, because this is one of those movies that is oft quoted and referred to. So you, you have very little going into this. Yes. That's great. Uh-huh. And you know the cast? Yes. I know Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Randy Quaid. That's about it. Okay, so you don't know who's playing the kids in this version. Because it's always different. No. Rusty and Rusty and the, I can't remember the name of the sister. They're always different actors. They're always different, yeah. This is probably their best casting of the kids. Okay. I, I may, I'm intrigued. Drunks. Yeah. Because literally, I am going in blind. I, I don't know what the runtime is. I don't know who's in the cast. It's four hours it's, long. It's an ep now. Oh my god, yes. I get my Dune version of like a Christmas family gathering. Could, Amazing. Could you imagine... Uh, yeah, yes, no, I've lived it every single year. Passover, Hanukkah, sometimes that's true. Rosh Hashanah, all the Jewish holidays. No, it's a nice, it's a nice tight like ninety-seven minutes or something like that. Perfect. The the perfect amount that you want to be around your your family. Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so we just finished. I'm dying to talk to Mark, but I want to send my kids to bed because it's late. So what? so, what are some of your favorite parts of this movie? All the parts. Um, I like when the squirrel comes in the house. The squirrel? The squirrel's pretty good. Do you remember what, what were your first big laughs the first couple times you watched it? I don't know. Probably everything. I probably never laughed because I don't really understand. The jokes? Yeah. But you just love it because you've watched it so many times? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> what was what was the part you liked most the most this time? The squirrel. The squirrel again? Big fan of the squirrel? The squirrel. I think Ephraim's getting more of the adult jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, is that everything? Hey, look over there, kids. There's a moose. The moose? Oh, the, the finger up? I know. Daddy gets like that in the road sometimes, doesn't he? Yeah, a bit too much. We've had those situations, <laughs> haven't we? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to kick you guys out the bed. Mm-hmm. Any, any other final thoughts on the movie? You two? Uh... Nothing? Mark fell asleep. Mark did fall asleep. I did fall asleep. I'll shame him when you guys leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, get out of here. All right, so the kids have been kicked out. Huzzah. Now the adults can talk. Thoughts? Thoughts? Um, like every National Lampoon movie I've seen, just, you know, a myriad of skits, some better, some, you know, didn't, like, to me, it, it felt very hit and miss. Yeah, it is, it's still that way for me, like, it's, and, and there's the typical dated stuff, 
Like every single guy in this movie is ogling girls. Yes. You know, whether it's, you know, Rusty checking out the girl with his dad at the checkout counter or the the old men reading the teenagers magazines or staring at their posters on their ceilings. Yeah. Again, it, it's just like viewing this from, you know, being made in the 80s. I can definitely tell, you know, the kind of comedy that was of its time. For sure. Like it, it's 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 just big, broad. It's just it's cartoonish. Yeah. In a lot of moments, you know, when Clark stuck up in the attic, it's just those boards hitting him back and forth. The problem for me is watching it now uh, and just having worked in comedy myself for so long. It's just it's just a different style of comedy where they they this style is like, oh, let's give let's do it's all about the anticipation. So like mm-hmm. show me the thing that he's going to hit himself with. So the audience can go, oh, no, don't do it. And then you're, it's going to happen. Where now, you wouldn't cut to that shot of the board sitting there before you just cut the... It would just hit him. You know? Yeah, it would just be the surprise effect of it. Exactly. Yeah. Like you, in this one, it's just you see over and over again. It's almost like this style of comedy where it's just constantly setting up the thing that you... you to let you know something's going to happen. Yeah. Which is, is uh, I don't know, it makes it slower, and it also just kind of makes you sit back and go, I know exactly where this is going. Yeah. So it loses the effect. Yeah. But for me, I, I usually hold Animal House to a higher standard in terms of everything that happens in that movie is, you know, can be told in its own sketch. However, there is that very giant through line of, you know, this is about a fraternity on campus. There are all these things that happen, all these hijinks and antics. Same thing with the with the Griswold family of just the hijinks and things that happen when you have a giant family coming over for Christmas. Yeah. Um, like for me, some of the stuff that really you know stands out. You know, so the like the lights on the house. It, there are some really good sketches in here, or like some really good you know cringe family comedy. But to me. Overall, I just can't connect with it, and I don't know whether it's a generational thing or if it's just the style of comedy and, you know, the style of what National Lampoon comedies really are. Yeah, like, I'm going to be honest, this is a film that, as a kid, I loved because it made my family laugh and because I was in a room full of people laughing that was infectious. I watch this now, and my kids love it because of the same thing. They watch it when they're little, and the big silly gags play. Because yeah. they're kids, and, and it's, it's basically slapstick. it's slapstick. It's a big cur- and also it's shocking in moments. Like he has that swear fest where he goes on and on. Uh, but I watch it now, and it's just and, and maybe it's just because I know all the jokes. I know where they're coming, uh, and it just doesn't. It's not ball. I remember the movie being this balls to the wall comedy, like this nonstop. And I watch it now, and I'm like, it feel even though at 97 minutes, it feels a lot longer. Yeah. And I, I feel that because it is repeat viewings for you, you know everything that comes. So you know beat by beat, okay, does this, does this. Oh, right, this then happens, right, then this happens. There's the callback. There's that. I, I feel that sometimes with movies where it, it feels a lot longer than you originally remember. But Well, and but with this one in particular, it's just like there's all the beats, but... I almost forget what order they go in because the order almost doesn't matter for a lot, for most of them. Yeah. Right? With the exception of... It's always when... Like, the, the highlight of the film is kind of when Randy, Cade, Randy Quaid shows up. Like, the house just got lit up for the first time. 
And then he just ha- ends up being part of the, the crowd of people outside. It's a, it's a great, nice little reveal. But other than that, there's all these just little interstitial moments. And most of them you could cut out because they don't matter later on. Yeah. You know, the checkout counter girl, you could cut that scene out if it wasn't for that whole fantasy sequence he has in the window. Yeah, and even that, it, see, that, those are also moments, um, like the, the pool fantasy moment, where it's like, I know directly that it is a very male-heavy comedy. Like, it's not just a family comedy. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, this does not, this does, does not sit well for me. Compared to, like, let's say, Fast Times at Richmond High that we watched um, a couple, uh, couple months ago. Where the the fantasy sequence with Judge Reinhold and, and um, Phoebe Cates, where like that one I can understand and justify because it is like a teenage male fantasy, whereas with this it's like everything just seems and that movie is gender balanced. Exactly that one I feel everything's very gender balanced, not just you know the fact that Amy Heckerling's the one behind it, but with this it's like I I I just can't justify it being a family comedy with those two sequences. Well, you look at European Vacation, it's it's raunchier and far more inappropriate in a yeah. lot of the areas, right? It opens with that terrible sequence with, is it John Mahoney? Or um, yeah. he plays like the game show host, I think right? So. I think so. And it's been a groping, long time since he's I've seen legit, that He's legit like groping the daughter right in front of the parents and, pl- and it's being played for laughs. I, I just don't feel comfortable watching those kind of scenes. <laughs> no, the daughter's storyline in, in European Vacation is all about her, like, gaining weight and whether or not her boyfriend's going to love her. Yeah. And it's all about her, like, body shaming her. Again, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. I don't even remember that. We watched it with the kids, not, like, about a summer or two ago, and it was rough. I, did, I didn't love that on repeat viewings. This movie, I still, it feels a bit more for the family than that one. Yeah. Like here, other than you know the um, the checkout uh, girl scene and the pool sequence, I really don't see anything that's very raunchy. So I can understand why you know your kids would really enjoy watching this for the slapstick. But for my money, something like a Home Alone is way more better. And I think it's because it, it's not just family comedy. There's some emotional value. To the stakes of what goes on. That's Home Alone still works. It's yeah. it's still funny because the big broad stuff, but it's it's got heart attached to it. It has a storyline. Yeah, <laughs> you know where this one just feels like moment after moment after moment, but nothing really. Like, there's a there's a minor through line with the boss and the bonus check. Yeah, but then it's all just about money, and it, and it kind of feels gross anyway. It, it feels very cynical. Now, if you want to take it from a different perspective of how, in a way, I really do. Chevy Chase is, was really good in the '80s with these comedies because he's really good at playing an asshole. He's really good at playing just that it, <sighs> mixture between a man child, um, a father figure, a doofus, an idiot. And yet somebody who still at the end of the day you want to root for because it's just, you know, he has this eternal optimism no matter what. Yeah. Nothing gets him down. But the stakes are so, like, 80s greed where it's just, it's all about, like, the bonus to buy the pool. Where his brother-in-law is legitimately living out of what should be probably a condemned Winnebago. Yeah. You know? And we're supposed to feel bad for Clark who... Might not be able to afford the giant pool he wants to put in the background. You know? Where if you took this movie, if you were to do a remake of this movie, you cast someone like Kevin Hart, mm-hmm. you know, 
you have it be about, you know, uh, a lower to middle class family, mm-hmm. you know, and that bonus is literally the thing that's going to make their Christmas happen or not. Yeah. And all their family descends upon them. And they live in like a regular sized house, not a giant house that can actually accommodate these people. Yeah. Like what you do is you, if you could reinvent the stakes so they're real and you give a shit, uh, I think you could, you could, like everyone would, would chastise you for remaking this movie, but there's a remake in here that could totally work today. Yeah. And, and if, yeah, when you put in those emotional stakes and you put in a very like relevant, um, even just like a socioeconomic aspect to it, a lot of people I feel would connect with that more. That's to say, you make it more about the haves and have nots. Yeah. And you and it's almost more of a Grinch story where at the end you're like, Christmas came whether or not we had the bonus. Yeah. You know, it didn't really and and that's what this is like. Don't give them the bonus at the end. Yeah. You know? And Christmas so you, it, it becomes like a Grinch kind of story, right? Yeah. Uh that's that's what I want to see. Hollywood, you listening? I want the Kevin Hart version. <laughs> Of, uh, of a Christmas uh, vacation. So two things I do want to ask. One, um, how much do you relate to your own experiences with getting together with family for Christmas? Seeing it reflected in movies like this where, you know, it's kind of like a giant reunion of family. Because with us, I'm not going to say with every Jew, it's you really don't get it that much with Hanukkah. Maybe you do, but that's for other reasons. But usually around Passover is... Or, yeah, Passover is usually when you'd have a giant family descend on you for something like this. For sure. This, this I 100% relate to because growing up, because I come from, both my parents were uh, kids in, in families with like a half a dozen siblings or more. Like my my oh, mom wow. had, not, I think there's nine in my mom's family, nine kids. What? And my dad's side had seven. <laughs> so... And my mom's side, we were the closest with. So, like, you you know, at Easter, Thanksgiving, you know, summers, uh, and at Christmas particularly, there was, you got to imagine, there's, uh, now not, not all the siblings were still alive and some of them were estranged in weird ways. Long story. But there was a core group of, like, six or seven that was always around. And you got to imagine they each had, uh, you know, a partner uh, and two kids. Mm-hmm. Do the math on that. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I'm the fourth out of five, so imagine yeah. when I'm the fourth one, and I already have seven nieces and nephews. So that's just it. So you're very similar, right? Yeah. So we would, and it got to the point where you know, once my generation started having getting married and having kids too, I think there was one Christmas there was fifty or sixty of us, all in one house trying to have a Christmas dinner. How? How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you cook for that? How do you everyone br- everyone helps out? Like, okay, and that's kind of what yeah. the fun is right? Is everyone brings uh, something? Yep. And so it becomes almost like a buffet. Got of, it. Of yeah, because around Passover, I think the most that we've ever had in the house has been like twenty-two to twenty-five people. Well, I know. And then when, as our generation, because it was always like every year, one of my aunts would host it, and so we'd go from to a different house every year, um, and then. At one point, they were like, well, the next generation should take over. And my sister and I were one of the older uh, of, the, of the cousins who had, you know, families and houses. Uh, and so they're looking at us to do that. And my sister was like, I can't fit that many people in my fucking house. Like, they didn't want to come to Toronto. And also, we couldn't accommodate that. So we, I told my sister, I'm like, why don't we just do it so that we'll go to a restaurant. Let's get, go to a restaurant. We don't have to cook. Everyone can just pay for their own meal. 
You know, people are chipping in for the turkey and food anyway when we always did it. And then we'll come back to your house for gifts and other stuff, but we'll just do that. They went not they went they were livid with us for suggesting such a thing. Because it was because it was not Christmas if you go to a restaurant. And it's like, yeah, but we also can't accommodate it. So the following year my aunts took over again because they oh, were so no. furious oh. with us. Oh no. Uh and but now, you know, because of COVID, we haven't done it uh in in, in we didn't do it last year, obviously. So this year will be the first year we're doing it again. My aunts still are still hosting it. <laughs> because okay. So so how big is your aunt's house to really even it's big enough, and not everyone comes anymore. Like some of this, some of my my parents' generation have passed away, so they're not all with us anymore. And not all, and and you know the family's scattered in the sense that the kids have grown up, and some of them are living in the states, and some of them are out east, and just that. So the family has gotten smaller, even though it's gotten bigger. If you just look at you know headcount, yeah. uh, not as many people necessarily can make the trip, and also depending when it lands, because it's always a week before Christmas. It's always like the weekend before or two weeks before. It's like almost everyone having to get out of their calendars and go, when can we do it? Yeah. But in terms of the one thing I will say the movie does really, really well for me is that it speaks to that sense of like giant family and just fucking chaos. And there's some people you really have a strong relationship with and an affinity for. And other people you're just like, yep, uh uh-huh. Get the fuck out of here as fast as possible. biting your tongue, (laughs) just getting through it. We have um, the the older aunt like the that in here that just babbles and babbles and is a bit senile. Not a bit senile. She's fucking senile. Yeah. Uh, we have a version of that in our family uh, who is not by no means as far off as, she, as this woman is in the movie. Uh, but it's also just you know we we have nothing but amazing fun and stories of just the random stuff that comes out of her mouth. Because it's always delightful, and she's such a harmless, wonderful person. Uh, so that's like the positive version of that. But then we have like I remember, like I have, and I've told this story uh, before, um, and I've always wanted to make a movie about like my extended family because, like, I could do something like this, but it would be darker and weirder, and yeah. definitely have more heart. But I just haven't like figured out the right engine for it. Hmm. But I have like that uncle who is was always like the dark cloud of the family. Oh, so like the like the dark sheep, like the black sheep of the family or the, just the black sheep, yeah. yeah. Just and and literally like you just knew he was nearby because it felt like the energy got sucked out of the room. Oh, one of one of those characters. Got it. So, uh, you know, had that kind of thing that but everyone also kind of bonded around him being kind of the black sheep of the family, yeah. right? Uh, and then, but then we, it was like my cousins and we just grew up, I grew up with this ragtag group of cousins and we hung out a lot. So we knew each other really well. Yeah. You know, when my, when one of us got chicken pox when we were kids, chicken they pox threw, party? we literally had a chicken pox party. We all went to my cousin's house and we hung out for, I don't know, I felt like a week of just playing video games and eating Alphagetti's. Nice. You know? Oh, and that was the. It was amazing watching. We watched like they rented movies for us. We just stayed in our pajamas and tried not to scratch each other, and just played video games, ate shit food. It was amazing. So, so if you were to, well, I wouldn't say with these uh, Christmas movies, but you know, this idea of making a movie about your extended family, like how would you gather that kind of ensemble of people and? You know, create create some sort of um, I wouldn't say chaos, but like the the um, like the stakes of 
of it. Yeah, when, the when version you, there, there's a weekend in particular in my family where where actually my uncle, the black sheep of the family, it was the weekend he died and it was his funeral. And it was the weirdest four days of my life, just in the sense that so many different things happened. At one point, I ended up in a grave. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a story know, in itself. Not to spoil a funny moment in the movie, if I write it, for those listening. Uh, various other things. My one cousin whose new girlfriend came around, and I swear she didn't speak a word. And then as we're all walking into the church, I hear like an angel singing Ave Maria, and it's her up in the bed. I'm like, when did you learn how to fucking speak? And you <laughs> sing like this? Like, what the fuck is happening? Like, stuff like that was, I hooked up with a friend of mine from high school that I hadn't seen in forever, and we always had this hit or miss relationship. So there was like this weird love story going on for me over the course of the weekend. Um, bonkers. Bonkers, like four days, but also just our family trying to, um, like with the black sheep of the family gone, it was almost like everyone was looking to replace him with one of us. Oh, so it's like, all right, who are we going to treat as the pariah? Yeah, who's the new pariah? And I'm like, and it's like, <laughs> why do any of us have to be the pariah? What the fuck is this about? You know? So I haven't quite figured out. So I have all, it's almost one of those things too where it's like, I have so many thoughts and ideas about it. I don't want to do it badly. And yeah. I just need to sit down and do it at some point because I've talked about it so many times. Uh, and uh, so I'll stop talking because I don't want to ruin no, too much no, no, of my no. eventual. But but I do have like a big family movie. I, I tried writing it as a book, a novel at one point. Um, but I haven't gotten back around to okay. it. So the other question I really did want to ask you is um, in terms of like your kids really like this movie. But... Uh, the other kind of family movies, whether it's Christmas or anything else, what other movies do you gravitate towards? Like, do your kids really love, or you know, that you all enjoy as a family? Definitely, like the comedy movie, like, they love Home Alone as well. Like, I remember watching Home Alone with Ephraim for the first time when he was maybe five or six, and him, the way he laughed, I was like, "Fuck, I don't know if I've ever laughed that hard at something." You know, it was just so enjoyable watching it through his eyes, and it's, it was the same as this part of the first time I watched this with them. Um, same, like, the first time I, I watched, even though he's older than me, like I introduced my dad to planes, trains, and automobiles and watching my dad just like die laughing. That movie they love too. Planes, trains is, is such a great classic movie. Yeah. Uh, and we'll quote lines from it all the time. Uh, what are the, most of these big comedies for sure. Like all four of us, I think is like, is where my family really, really meets. Um, and then my son and I have like all of our nerdy nerdy things that we love together but when it comes to like the whole family it's definitely big big fun comedies and and often ones that my wife and i grew up with yeah okay how about you and your family so with us uh there's this uh animated movie from 1997 called cats don't dance um it's with scott bakula it's got songs by randy newman there are songs that are sung by natalie cole it's very short. It's like one of these, you know, Warner Brothers mid '90s um, animated movies that flopped upon release. But we love as a family. We sing along to it all the time. We actually just showed it for the first time to like all the nieces and nephews the other week, and just watching it through their eyes, and they were having a blast. And it's just, it, it's one of those movies where I know not a lot of people really like it, but it's one of the, one of those you know that has a very cultural touchstone to a family. Mm. That, you know, you, you either just sing along or it's just like it unlocks a very core memory because we used to watch a lot on vacation, um, even though like we had the VHS. There was we specifically found that DVD at a Walmart 
just on like a hunch. And we just took it with us on every single car trip, every single family vacation. Because at least once we had to pop it on. My mom loves that like movie. Just, you know, see uh, in that Honda Odyssey, just like all of us listening, singing along, that sort of thing. Otherwise, um, I think for us, they, like, they, they tend to be like more comedies or musicals. Really, Yeah, yeah same with us. It's like Little Shop. My kids yeah, oh, going nuts love Little, Little Shop. Shop. Uh, any of the Muppet movies, especially the classic ones, my mm-hmm. kids go crazy for them. We love as well. Uh, musicals for sure. My, my daughter is now obsessed with Les Mis. Ah, uh, well, I mean, with Stephen Sondheim pa- like recently passing, I wonder when you when you're gonna get her into Into the Woods, Sweeney Todd. I, I mean, like those two specifically. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's good. And the movie versions of those aren't bad. No. Yeah, that's the problem. My wife, my daughter somehow heard one of the songs from Rent and was singing it today. And she said, we should watch Rent. And I was like, yeah, except Rent's not a good movie. Rent's not a good movie, and I don't nor a good musical. And I, I don't, I liked Rent, but I don't know. I, I think it hasn't aged as well as, as it could, which is why I also, for some reason, I, I tried watching Tick, Tick, Boom. And I, I just I, couldn't get into it. I still need to watch it, although I will admit over the last 24 hours, sit, like, before this, I have been listening to 3090 absolutely nonstop. Just like the original version with Rula Sparza as as John. And it's such an earworm. He's so good. Okay. But I haven't listened to the rest of the soundtrack just yet because I haven't ventured in. Yeah, I'm going to give it another shot. But I, I loved the musical rent. I probably saw it two or three times when it was in, in on the stage. Yeah. But yeah, this this the, the Christopher Columbus, it's just too... Sh- for a movie that's supposed to be about people living in tenement buildings, it's so shiny and sleek. It doesn't fit the style. It really depends if you're going in as a theater fan or as a movie fan. Because there is a certain amount of disbelief that you're allowed to have with the theater that you are not afforded in film the same yeah. way. So, I, I mean, personally, I'm not a fan of the musical, so I have not really seen the film. <laughs> Right, right, right. So I can't really comment. There's really just a video essay that I watch all the time that kind of, I live vicariously through that of her criticisms about the musical and the musical movie. Whose criticism? Uh, Lindsay Ellis. Okay. I'll, I'll send you the link to that. It's, it, it's a great dissection. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what it was. It was one of those things that I, I, when I was in musical theater in high school, it was like, Rent was, Rent was the Hamilton of its time, yeah, right? Yeah, everybody, uh, even when I was growing up, Rent, every, like, in middle school, everybody was obsessed with Rent for some reason, and I don't understand it. Well, I think it was just because Rent, you know, for whatever its flaws uh, it has, I think it was, it was the first that I know of, and I'm probably wrong with this, but I remember like one of the big things would being that you could get like tickets for five bucks. Like there was a thing built into it where people it made theater more accessible. I think yeah, right because it was about real people. It wasn't about you know people that lived hundreds of years ago or in a different country. Uh, so it was kind of one of the more modern musicals that went really big. That was just about people living today and was kind of about of its time. It was talking about. The AIDS epidemic, and, and it had characters that were openly queer, or, just, queer yeah. or and, and transgender, and, and so it was like there wasn't anything like that. And the fact that it became this big thing that people flocked to was pretty amazing at the time. And even when you look at where the fuck we are now in our culture, it's still amazing, <laughs> you know. So I think if anything else, it broke down a lot of barriers and doors. For the kind of storytelling people will accept on a on a mass level, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I think if if anything else, it was like Rent Rent was great for that stuff. Yeah. Even if you don't love the music or whatever else, I think it just it opened doors. What are your favorite musicals? <laughs> oh God, so many. Like Rent, I loved. Um, it's funny. I never, I didn't love Les Mis until just because re- it's one of my wife's family's favorites. Uh, and I always, I didn't. I'm not a huge Sondheim fan. I know people are going to crucify me for that, but I always find he has this speak singing thing. That well, I just, no, hold on, hold on. But Sondheim didn't do Les Mis. I know that. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. But I mean, I, I, I mean, no, I mean, just in general, like, because um, I find he has this speak singing thing. Got it. That he does, uh, and Les Mis is doing it too. Uh, that I don't love, but now I'm growing more into it. I don't I, know I why. think once you realize all the light motifs and just all the patterns within the musical itself, that you know things keep repeating and why does it echo and why does it do this? Emotionally, it's a great musical, and for me, I love Les Mis. Oh, I loved. Now I could. I, I can appreciate it back more. And fo- back back to front. Just. The, f- the first time I saw it, um, to put it into context, was in the West End in London. I was in grade Ooh. ten. Uh, and it was Colm, it was... Colm Wilkinson, was yeah. playing, was playing... Um, Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean. But we saw it from, like, the fifth balcony. Oh, so you were, you were like, and, high and, up, and you got, like, this and extreme we were sh- angle. And we were looking down. straight down, and we were sharing binoculars. And I think it was just, I was like, this is the worst experience ever. Uh, and so I think it was colored by that. Got it. Uh, but having... I, I really enjoyed the film... Um, the film adaptation and and there's and and I and I, so I appreciate the music more now going back and revisiting it, but so many like I'm I'm developing a musical of my own oh. that I've been doing for a while. It's Ooh. a it's a slow process because we're we're like we're about halfway through all of the all of the music and the songs. Okay, uh, so it'll be a, a slow gestating process, uh, but very rewarding and fun because it's made me have to dive back in. And think about what kind of music do I want? How do we want to play with it? What do we, how do we want to add to the form without like repeating what's kind of been done there? Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, hmm. like for me, I, uh, there are certain musicals that translate well from stage to film. Like one of them is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah. Which, Hedwig is, and that's what I mean. Like yeah. if someone hadn't, just to go with the rent thing, not the, the, the pounce on it, but I'm like, the way that was done was really smart because it because when I saw Hedwig, I saw it at the Bathurst Theater in Toronto. Um, Wait, hold on. Which one's the Bathurst Theater? This is like an old church. Oh, okay. Right, and it's that's been kind of redone as a theater venue. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it just felt like the most intimate concert. Have you seen the stage musical? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, it's I a haven't. totally different experience. I, I know it is. It, like I've seen the the quote unquote slime tutorials. Online, like the Neil Patrick Harris version. Yeah. I've listened to that. I've listened to the original cast. It's so, a very, very different... It's a different experience because all it's done is it's structured just like a concert. You're yeah, just watching like a, a concert. Like a one-man concert show. Like it's, but, no, no, because they have a real... There's a band no, there. Sorry, I know, yeah. I know it's a band, but it's just like it's one setting. That's what I meant. That's sorry. just it. It's just like... It's, yeah, it all just takes place on... A, it's just a band set up and there's a screen back there. Uh, but that's it. It's just you're watching a band perform a set. Yeah. And they structure a musical around it, and it works. But what was even more impressive was when they do um, when they uh, adapted it. It worked the same way. Like they totally changed how the mechanics of some things go. But it, I don't know. It just it it it, it flowed. They 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 abandoned the core concept of how the musical worked in the theatrical version. 
but they found a really great way that reinvented it and stayed true to what it was. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's where I look at rent and I'm like, again, again, cause visually, we, how do you translate something that feels so raw and dirty and, that's very, it. and, and very bohemian? And that, and that, and it doesn't, it feels slick and glossy and yeah. it's just like, I'm sorry. I, I like Chris Columbus as much as the next guy, but once you've directed Harry Potter movies, it's hard to like go back to your indie roots and then he never really had indie roots. Like he cut his teeth doing, you know, John Candy movies and, and you know, other th- and Home Alone and that kind of stuff. Right. But it's just like he was just the wrong director for that movie. Yeah. Whereas like I'll, I'll say something like the producers where for me, I, I love the film adaptation of the stage, but that's literally what it is. It's just a very stylized version of the stage of, of like the stage version, yeah. which I honestly don't mind. Because for those who could not afford to go see it on yep. Broadway, get a very different version. Well, I wouldn't say very different, but it's like a different visual version of what you would see. And I don't mind that. It still has the same comedy beats. And like some some of the choices are a little bit questionable. But overall, I, I still really like it. But it's interesting because now you're getting, like they did it with Hamilton, but now you're getting, they're airing on streaming services musicals. Yeah. You know, I think Les Mis is dropping at the end of the month on Netflix. I think I remember getting like an alert for that. Um, so without going into it, I could talk about musicals all day. Oh, same here. But, but going back, so what, because I know you haven't, you know, you know, you're not, uh, you don't celebrate Christmas. No, I do not. But, but that said, what are some of your favorite holiday movies? Ooh. Ooh, favorite holiday movies. Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, Home Alone's a great classic. Um, so, can I, can I, this, this, this is a hard question that's to okay. answer. But, but let's just—we don't have to get into it. I was yeah. just what I'm curious about as someone who is is does not celebrate Christmas. Yep. Home Alone. When did you watch that? I I started watching that when I was uh, probably a preteen. Like, like I saw snippets here and there, but watching it end to end, I was probably like eleven or twelve. Right. And for me, it's just I really enjoy it because everything just works in that movie from the premise, the acting, the comedy, the heart. Um, just everything feels on point and just feels like one of those classic movies that just age so well. And it's interesting because it doesn't necessarily so hit like traditional like Christian Christmas stuff that much. So I, I imagine it's something that people, regardless of your cultural background, you can probably enjoy it on some level. Exactly. And that's what I, that's what I try to look at in terms of these holiday movies. What are they trying to get at? Like, is it a meaning of Christmas kind of movie? Is it a family gathering kind of movie? Is it a trying to relive nostalgia kind of holiday movie? It really depends on what kind of subgenre. My mom loves watching these Hallmark movies. Like, (laughs) no, no, like she does, and the crazy thing is, like she'll have it on in the background because it's one of those perfect kind of background movies where yeah. you really don't give a shit about what the plot is or what's going on because it, it, they all end up, they all are the same kind of movies. So we have this game going on of what kind of subgenre is it? Is it the oh, is it somebody's coming home to like their old 
you know, whole hometown and they're nostalgic and reminiscent? Is it somebody mourning a dead spouse? Is it somebody who, you know, lost their Christmas spirit? What kind of subgenre are we getting into? So you got to watch uh, some buddies of mine made this movie that came out last year called Cup of Cheer. Okay. And it's a spoof of Hallmark movies. Oh, okay. And it is Perfect. on point and great. I'm pretty sure it's on streaming services now, or you can at least rent it. Watch it with your mom. Okay, I totally will. This, this totally seems like something up our alley. Yeah, it's very, 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 very funny. Uh, so I will I'll put a plug out for Cup of Cheer um, by uh, buddies of mine, Jake and Andy. They, uh, it, it, and then they did it on a super low budget, but it, it looks great. Sorry, I'm just going back to the question. I'm trying to think. What other holiday movies do I really watch? Because, I, I mean, when you don't... Do you have go-tos that you watch every year? That's okay. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a hard question. You got to do me one favor, though. Yes. If you, do, if you watch no other film this, this holiday season, please watch Scrooged. And let me know what you think. For me, I love Bill Murray, so it's like I, I, I here's the thing. haven't gone around to it. You haven't seen Bill Murray's best, best, best movie if you haven't seen Scrooged. I'm really? throwing it out there. I'm throwing it down there. Really? That you think is Bill Murray's best movie? Top three for sure. Okay. Top three. Easily. So, so what are the other two? Groundhog Day. Yep. That's my favorite. Uh, and then what's the other one? I don't know. For me, so I would say Top Lost in Translation, Broken Flowers. Anything dramatic? Not Broken Flowers. <laughs> uh... Probably, I mean, yeah, if you're looking into those kind of roles, yeah, Lost in Translation's in the top three, but would be number three. Yeah. I would put... Uh, Interesting. Scrooged is my is the one of the ones I got to watch every year. I just, it just, there's something about it that just is endlessly charming. It's one of those movies I would put on for people back in my pre-family days, and even since then I've done it for people, and it's one of those movies where I'm like... If we watch this together and you don't like it, I don't know if we could be good friends. <laughs> we can get oh along, but I'm just like, I just don't think we'll be able to connect on a real level if it's like, you're kind of, because you're probably dead inside a little bit. Yeah. It's like, not that you hate Christmas. It's just more of the, you don't have a heart. No, it's, it's not even a heart. It's just more like you don't, oh, so you don't like experiencing joy. I understand. Uh, it's more one of those kind of things where it, it's kind of like irrelevant of Christmas. There's just something, there's a delightful glee I get from that movie. Uh, and if people don't like it, it just tells me a lot about them. Got it. So if you don't like it, don't tell me. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I will, Duly I will, noted. I will judge you. It's, it's, there's not a lot of movies that I get that way about, but it's, it's one of those movies. If I, if someone doesn't like it, I'm like, huh, you're uh it's like why are people that I'm like, I don't like music. It's like, I'm sorry, what? They're like, I don't like music. Like, you don't like like certain kinds of music? So you know, I just don't like music at all. It's like, huh. huh. You're uh You just you just hate things. Yeah. You don't like You don't understand life. Yeah, I don't know how to connect with you. You're a you're a challenging person. So it's it's one of the few things that I have where I'm like, I, I will cast an instant judgment on. Okay, duly noted, I will stay very far away from you for right now. <laughs> That's okay, but you got to watch. <laughs> no, I will, I will. Check it out this holiday season. Uh, I believe it's got to be on some kind of a streaming service Yeah, and you there. did the episode on it, right? We've done, uh, I believe I did it with Nicholas Carella uh, and his wife, Michelle. I think, Ooh. I think we did uh, We did Scrooged. It was the, those two that I, I forced it upon. Uh, and they had the same reaction. He's like, I can't believe I've never seen this movie. Because uh, he thought it was one of his favorite. I think I actually do have it recorded on a VHS somewhere in the basement. Oh, that might be the best way to watch it. If like, it's got the commercials, probably. 
Although, you know, don't watch that because I will say... That's also one of those movies that I first oh edited like edited yeah I first TV? I first grew up watching like the, it on TV over and over again every year and then I finally tracked down my own copy of it and the first time I watched it, I was like where the fuck is this like there's all these little extra bits and, and extra lines or small scenes that had been edited out yeah that I'd never seen before it was the same with Goonies Goonies I experienced like from a, a taping of TV so the first time I watched it all the way through uh, on a, like a DVD or Blu-ray, Blu-ray, it was like watching a new movie because there's all these little pieces that I hadn't seen that weren't part of the flow for me, right? Man, Uh, I mean, I love that era of uh, like 80s, 90s, 2000s movies where, you know, we have to have a TV safe edit, so let's just see what we can get away with. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. No. Fuck that. No. Well, you'd still be out. you also have to record, even just like the beginning of my career as a filmmaker, like you'd still record alt lines for the, the it used to be like the Air, they call it the Air Canada version. Oh, right? got it. But now that, um, but now because everyone has like individual screens, you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Right? Because you had to do it so that way your movie could fall, could be re-edited for airplanes and fall into the PG category so they could put it up on the big screen so everyone could watch together. Yeah. But now that doesn't happen, so you don't have to do the airplane, the TV mode fuck anymore. It, well, that's just it. Censorship has changed so much, right? People don't give a fuck yeah. about swearing as much. They just put it on at a later time or they put parental locks on it or they put a little screen up saying... Yeah. If your kids watch this, it's your fucking fault. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like for me, I'm very happy that Peter Jackson and his team were very adamant on keeping the swearing in the the Beatles documentary. Yeah, I'm I'm only about halfway through it. Oh, it's great. It is. It's really great because it's it's a slow burn. It's kind of one of those things that's best to watch while you're maybe doing something else at the same time because mm-hmm. it's it's almost like just listening to a great podcast. But there are little moments of visuals that are Wait really, you really get to wonderful. Part three. You're gonna want to sit down. You're, you're gonna want to sit down with your kids and watch part three. I can't wait. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm halfway through part two. I've just been watching it in snippets because it's. I love that they called it a three part series. It's like you. It's it's a ten hours or whatever it is. It's it's huge. Everybody says it's six, but it's closer to eight hours. Yeah. When you put it all together, it's closer. I don't know why they didn't break it up more and do it as like eight one hour episodes. And make it a bit more digestible for people. I know something about Peter Jackson in threes. It's true. He made a trilogy of like super long doc episodes. Yeah, about shaggy-haired heroes. But it's really interesting. It's it's fascinating to watch. But I also just go like, I don't know. I think most people have that mental block where they see something is that long. They just go, I can't want. I can't start that. But if you broke it down into just like smaller episodes, the same amount of content. People would binge that in two days. I think there's a huge intersection between who's a Beatles fan and who's not a Beatles fan who would really You're right. just be... No, there's a know, certain audience like, of people that don't give a shit. And exactly. they look at that and they're like, oh my God, there's so much content, I can't wait. Yeah. And I fall into that ladder. <laughs> yeah. But I look at that and I'm like, I'm going to have to watch that in chunks. Yeah. But that's okay too. So anyway, final thoughts on this. Final thoughts on... Uh, yeah, it's one of those... I, I'll rewatch it every year with my kids, but it's not one of those Christmas movies that I need to watch on my own. Like, there's somewhere it's like, if my kids and I don't get around to Muppets or Scrooged, I'll put it on by myself one evening leading up to Christmas. But this is one of those ones where the kids almost always want to watch it anyway, but it's not one that I'll throw in myself. Yeah. Like, for me, this felt more like a one and done now that I've 
seen it. I don't feel the need to re-see it. I don't know whether it's because I just don't have that kind of cultural context of what it's like to have a family at Christmas or it's just the dated comedy. To me, this is not like one I really would rewatch ever, like at all. No, I feel like you probably got everything you need out of one viewing of this movie. That's 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 true of a lot of like movies of this era though too. Yeah. You know, and it's not anything this Barraging about them, it's just that's the kind of movies they are. You know, they yeah. uh, they they're they're you know pretty surface level. You yeah. know, there's not a lot of extra stuff going on in here. So yeah, nothing here to me that warrants a rewatch. No, but, no. Like I I might show a sequence or two. Like for uh, just like very quickly the the attic scene where like he goes through the films and well I mean like handling the film. It's like one no way it would be looking like that after, you know, the, it, it's stuck in an attic. Yeah. It wouldn't be preserved like that. No, for sure. And that, that's one of the, the big visual, like, uh, visual physical, gags, physical, physical gags that I do still appreciate. Cause you know, they don't set up that he's sitting on the trap door. No. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, that's still funny to me because they don't overplay. They, they don't overwarn you that it's, he's going to fall. Yeah. It's just very, it's very sudden. Like, th- those are the kind of pratfalls I really enjoy. Yeah, same. Yeah, so that, that's a sequence I, w- I would show. That's how you do comedy. There's a, yet, there's a good version and a bad version of what he does in The Addict and how to edit comedy. Yeah, well, it's not even good or bad. It's just dated versus outdated. Oh, got it, got I it. think, right? I think yeah. it's just like, of its time, I'm sure people, like someone like my dad, like, oh, he's going to get it. And then he gets it, like, oh, and he still laughs. Like, so you, what, I think the reason they did it is because you get two moments out of it. You get that, oh, no. You get the anticipation, and then you get the payoff, right? But you don't, but now I think more modern comedy is more just about, the, like, you can go from payoff to payoff to payoff because the audience just connects things yeah. in a way where we're just faster, right? That's And that's also... What makes comedy incredibly difficult is because people won't laugh at things the same way twice, right? So you can't get away. You have to update it and you have to push it further, right? Because push it further in, in like in a different context. Which is harder, stronger, more aggressive in some ways, right? I think we're getting out of it, but there was a, there was a period in time where there was just all these really angry comedies. Yeah. You know, and it was just actually, you know, TV shows and movies full of people that I don't think actually liked each other. Where I think comedy has come back around and, 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 and we've seen some things that are a bit more wholesome um, that are working its way out. Not that there's anything wrong with, like, angry, aggressive comedies, but, uh, but there's something, ab- I don't know, I'm just a big fan of heart. So I, I, I love a big, angry comedy too, but it's got to be wrapped in something cuddly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's nice. Well, thanks for coming over, man. Thank you. And Merry Christmas. Oh, Happy Hanukkah. Thanks for joining us for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I'm going to have my own vacation, and I'll see you back here in two weeks. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at LonJeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby together.